0: great songs i remember father god i a very soulful version jim chosen there very well done yeah the songs are great to say um yeah they, that song father god i wonder uh, was played when i was baptized back in hayes uh in the baptistry it was wonderful uh, to hear that song again i haven't heard that for you and jesus we celebrate with victory i mean I haven't heard that for so many years so wonderful to bring that up thanks Jim, for sharing those songs and those heart of songs with us. Um, Shall we pray? Shall we pray? We're going to look at God's word now. Shall we pray? Father God, I thank you, Lord, uh, for bringing us here together this morning. Father God, I pray as we look to your word that you would speak to us clearly and help us to understand with our spiritual ears that are open those Ears and hearts and minds that you've given us, Lord, to digest the things that are good for us, the things that will transform our lives as your people. Lord, we ask that you'll come and be with us as we look together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, this morning uh, we're going to revisit this. We're going to revisit what it means as a church to be in unity with one another. Unity not just in our differences and we agree in our differences, but unity more importantly in Jesus Christ. That is what we're going to look at today. And I want to encourage us in how each believer is important and how each of us have a significant part to play as we are called by Jesus. Now, I'm just gonna, uh, I hope the the monitor's working this morning. Um, The apostle Paul is writing this uh, letter uh, to the church in Corinth. uh, And the city of Corinth lays on a slim uh, piece of land Uh, in the southern part of Greece, you can see there. And Corinth was well known uh, for its thriving trade and its commerce. It was also a place that many traveled through with the ports, Uh, they were bustling with sailors. And um, this really led to many migrants that kind of moved there for prosperity, which led to religious diversity and then ushered individuals into worshipping pagan gods. The city also fell into much corruption, um, including uh, sexual immorality. Many of the habitants though uh, uh, were of Jewish heritage, but at the same time, there were lots of residents there that were Gentiles. So Gentile meaning those who weren't of that Jewish heritage. And from around 46 AD, Corinth, gradually transpired into being this uh, kind of cosmopolitan, more cosmopolitan in its population. Paul's arrival then in Corinth was around uh, 50 AD, we're told. Uh, And we're told that it was in great trepidation. And this might have been because of the size of the population and diversity in that place. Nevertheless, Paul spent... Again, around 18 months in Corinth and he established this church there. And sometime after leaving Corinth, Paul wrote this letter in response to problems within the church. And I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 21 in your blue Bibles, if you've got them there, that's page 1153. 1153. And so, in the earlier chapters of this first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul, amongst other things, he addresses issues such as eating food sacrificed to idols, sexual immorality. He looks into divisions within the church, the issues of head coverings at that time, abuses at the Lord's Supper, and he even gives directions on the gift of love and the gift of marriage. Um, And then we arrive at chapter 12 where Paul deals with the issue Of spiritual gifts and that's just that brief outline um, of where uh, uh, where this chapter is leading to and the spiritual gifts that Paul's talking about is where the church became increasingly prideful of their own spiritual gifts which subsequently led to a great deal of divisiveness and we find in this chapter that Paul's uh, wonderful metaphor of the church as a body so let's dive in to this scripture for today. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, uh, and I've tried again to keep it as concise as I can. Please do not fall asleep. Please do not fall asleep in this bit. Um, um, there's a lot to unpack. Verses 12 to 14. Just as a body, though one has many parts... But all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were given all the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Although uh, Paul um, earlier in this chapter conveys the diversity of spiritual gifts, in verse 12 he's also stressing the importance of unity in Jesus. And this unity is not something that the church has to achieve, but rather for Christians to recognize the fact that the body of Jesus Christ is the greater unit. In John chapter 17. Jesus prays this prayer, pointing to all future believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have Sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are as one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me." What a prayer. What a prayer. Coming from the very wise words of Jesus. So equally, Paul is speaking of this same unity in Christ, which will enhance the spiritual growth and direction of the church. And then we notice in verse 13, uh, that Paul points to baptism. So, there are many debates on what, on, you know, what was on Paul's mind here. Um, and while some suggest that Paul could be referring to the incorporation of Christians into the body of Christ in a general manner, as opposed to the water ceremony that we commonly associate with baptism, Paul states that we were all baptised by one spirit all baptised by one Spirit. And the Greek word for baptism is simply baptizo, which means to immerse. And it's likely that Paul here is talking about the Holy Spirit falling upon each member into unity with other believers. I think essentially Paul is referring to how each believer is immersed in the spirit of Jesus Christ, regardless of cultural background and upbringing. Doesn't matter who you are, the spirit of God is available for everyone. And within this spiritual baptism, all believers are brought into unity with Jesus. And as members of one body, we all share in that same spirit. And what this implies, is that all believers are able to share in one truth. And that is to testify of Jesus' salvation power through his death and his resurrection. And this is the undeniable truth that Paul compels the early churches to understand and recognise its importance. His central message to the church is the death and resurrection of Jesus, salvation to all. And then in verse 14, because, oh, are you still with me, by the way? Yeah. (laughs) Then in verse 14, because the one body of the church is made up of many parts, There is great diversity among the church. Friends, even though we all look different, thankfully I don't look like Jim and Jim doesn't look like me, right? Thankfully, we all have our own wonderful, creative appearance from God, given. But even though we look different, both in appearance and function, right? We all have that common root, which is working together to accomplish In the next season, the mission that God has for Culver Church. That is what our primary goal is. With Jesus, working together to accomplish that wonderful plan that God has. So moving on to fifteen and 16. Now bear with me here. If, If the first should say... If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would for that reason not stop being part of that body. Yeah? If the foot feels that it's not part of the body because it's not a hand, the foot is mistaken. And misguided. At the same time if the ear feels that it's not part of the body because it's not an eye, it too would be mistaken. Now what Paul basically is driving at here is that some of the Christians in that church in Corinth were feeling unimportant because they felt they didn't have certain spiritual gifts and so therefore felt inferior to others who seemed to have a more of an appealing gift. Can I just say, you know, it's wonderful that those of us who help support this church and have done in the background, we don't see those things happening, but things are happening in the background. Make no mistake. And it's wonderful to see how this church is run Sunday by Sunday and other events that happen during the week. we prayed about it, didn't we, earlier? That happened during the week. It's a wonderful example of how each individual in this church at the God given time is using their gifts to present to each other so we can serve one another. Wonderful. And everyone's gifts are just as important as each other, right? And even though some of the tasks may seem a little bit more mundane than others, I believe firmly that they all have a spiritual dimension designed to demonstrate the body of Christ working together as one believers working together so that the church exists in a way that is pleasing to God. Because as Christians, everything we do is to honour and glorify God in our failures and our mistakes and to love and support one another in the mission that God has planned for his church. So Paul is saying those who desire to participate in the work of the church Are of equal significance and are unified within the body of Christ. No one in this church should feel inferior to others because the body of Christ and his church is made up of not just one part but of many. You know, uh, Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa, who's heard of Mother Teresa? You've some, remember this, right? So you know Mother Teresa. She's got a wonderful story, by the way, if you can look her up. Um, wonderful, and her work with the impoverished. She, she said this. That was like seashells on a seashell, wasn't it? She, she said this. Try that same. <laughs> See, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bit quick. I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. And I saw that in a, I was working, uh, when I was in my previous job, I was working in a a hotel and I went down into the basement and the team and the staff had this picture of Mother Therese's quote, just like that. I can do things, you cannot. You can do things, I cannot. Together, we can do, do great things. God is talking about great things for his church. Great things. Things that are unimaginable to us. We cannot imagine what God has in store. But it is exciting. So I encourage you that every one of you have given your lives to serve God in in whatever capacity shouldn't feel insignificant or inferior because our diverse gifts and abilities are just of equal importance to Jesus. There is nothing that divides us. That's the beauty of this message. But just to add, and I will add this because this is a converse statement. Having an inferiority complex is considerably harmless. harmful. And it's particularly evident outside of the church. And this is because many people are constantly comparing their lives to one another. Right? They're continuously looking to see what others are doing and what they've got. We're seeing that, aren't we? And when they notice that other people have better jobs, better clothes, better cars, and so on they immediately feel inferior to that and to them. And notably, social media platforms have fueled this concept, even if it is inadvertent by them. Did you notice that? These platforms have driven people to feel this way in some respects. While the good, there's always bad. There's good stuff in there, but there's bad stuff that's happening and consequently leading many individuals to take drastic measures to try and change their feeling of inferiority and actually making it their mission to try and be like or try and outdo those who look good, that appear to have superior lives. More often than not, this leads many to have anxiety about their own inner self-worth which at times can lead to depression, financial difficulty, enviousness or jealousy, which we know can lead to anger and hatred. And if these people are behaving like that within the confines of church life, then it is almost certain they are falling into this trap outside of the church. On the flip side, we as a body of Christ shouldn't make people feel inferior, especially those who want to be included, who want to work for the kingdom. We shouldn't dismiss those who feel called by God to do those things that benefit the work of the church. And again, Paul is implicit when he reminds the church that everyone is important. Everyone. And each of them are of huge significance in the community of believers. Moving on to verse 17, then, if the body were an eye. Now, this is really weird what he says here, isn't it? I know it's a metaphor, but my goodness. If the whole body, think about this for a moment. If the whole body were an eye, what is that? What is he talking about? Where would the sense of hearing be? Right? Right? If the whole body were an ear, I mean, what was he thinking here, right? Where would the sense of smell be? Can you imagine sitting in that church in Corinth and listening to that? (laughs) I'm wondering, what on earth are you talking about, my friend? But here it is. While Paul is stating that the spiritual unity is paramount. He's also highlighting in his metaphor that diversity in the body of Christ also matters. Yeah? People with different gifts doing different things for the church is essential. Paul says, some are called to be evangelists, some are called to be pastors, teachers, and so forth. You see, otherwise the body of Christ is not going to work together effectively. We all have those wonderful different gifts to bring. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 18. You're still with me, right? Can I just get an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm not on my own here. I'm wondering what's going on here. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body, right? Paul is absolutely spot on when he goes back to the designer. God designed us so that all our body parts are supposed to be in the right place and function in the right way. And so it is with church life. Although we bring different gifts, different ways of thinking, different ways of doing things, God still implements an order. He still Implements an order and a structure in his church, which, if followed, this is important if followed, works much better than we can ever imagine. We need to be following that root of God's way of thinking. So Paul goes on, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hands, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Just just dwell on that for a moment. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. What does that mean? But it says exactly what it means. You see, unity in the body of Christ doesn't alienate others. Okay? First port of call. Unity in the body of Christ does not alienate others. Unity in the body of Christ doesn't look upon others as inferior. Unity in the body of Christ benefits us with spiritual growth. Unity in the body of Christ shows those outside of the church, that God is an inclusive God. And furthermore, unity in the body of Christ has the power to really impact cross-denominational influence. Yeah? It has the power to impact the worldwide church coming together. And that is Jesus' prayer. The worldwide church coming together as one, right? When Jesus comes back, what's going to happen? His church is going to be united, reunited in him, okay? And Paul is saying, don't do things your way. Do things God's way and do it together well. So let's unite as a church within the spirit and the headship of jesus christ who is the priest in charge of our church in order to glorify god just not only that many other things but more importantly support one another in the way that god intends his church to operate in yeah we do that together let's pray Father God, we praise and we bless you for each member of this church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the many years and the diverse ways that you've graciously used people here. Not only to fulfil the purpose you have for them, but the purpose, Lord, you have for your church, for your kingdom and this community, and the wider plans, Lord, That we cannot see right now. Father God, stir us up in our hearts, Lord, to be a united body under the banner of Christ. Help us to put away those things that take our eyes off of you. And Lord, do not let our thoughts stray away from you, but rather, Lord, let our thoughts turn to you. Wonderful turn. of our eyes onto you, Lord, as you call us to, to glorify you so that our actions, our intentions remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen.